0: Well, listen, uh, my, my name is Pastor Justin, I'm the senior pastor here at New Life, and we have been going through a series talking about Jesus being a friend of sinners. Um, sometimes that's, that's a great message, and other times it's a really frustrating message. Um, and I was, I was thinking about it, the importance of, of, of friendship in, in, um, in the life of a believer. And I was reading this, this story, you, you may have heard it before, it was about two friends that were they were going for a hunt one day and suddenly one of them screams and the other guy looks up and he sees a, a grizzly bear like charging after these, these two friends. And the first friend um, starts frantically putting on his running sneakers and uh, the second guy looks at him and he's like, like, what are you doing, man? Like, don't you know, you, you can't outrun this grizzly. And his friend looks at him in the eyes and he goes, oh, I, I don't have to outrun a grizzly. I just have to outrun you. Good friends are hard to find sometimes, aren't they? You ever have a friend like that? Like, see you later. Peace out. I thought we were friends. I know, I know, I know. Um, and if you've ever been through a crisis, then you, you realize that many times the friends that you started with aren't the friends that you end up with. Um, and and the the reality is is that if for, many, for many of us, in fact, like the, the testing of friendship comes through adversity. Um, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. The Bible says that the testing of a friendship is actually born out of adversity, a time of of crisis and you know if you've been living or sucking oxygen on planet Earth for any period of time, you've gone through a testing or a time of adversity that the people that maybe uh, you started with aren't the people that you're currently with and that are walking alongside of you. Um, Because most of the time when it comes to friendships and if you've got kids, uh, we're really just kind of grown up kids if if you're older than a kid because we choose many times our friendships based upon things that we have in common, uh, common hobbies, common sport, common interest, common um, workplace, or even common children's ages. Like, oh, we, we, we both have kids around the same age, so, so we should be friends. Um, people, people that we have something in common with. And the oddest thing about the body of Christ is that, is that you find yourself sitting next to and worshiping with, and praying for, and in a life group with, and loving on people who are very, very different than you. And as we watch the life of Jesus, and we, we read through the Gospels, and we, we see how he interacted with, with people, it's always interesting to me, because he was always befriending people who were very different from him, and different from each other. He was befriending sinners, and he was always inviting people who had things that held very little in common to to follow him. Um, And it's almost like Jesus was intentionally breaking down, like consciously eradicating stereotypes and cultural barriers. It didn't matter who you were. He was creating a group of followers who had one thing in common, him. And he seemed to think it was enough. He seemed to think it was enough to to have this ragtag group of people, even that we would call the church, they have one thing in common, him. And so I want you to turn to Matthew chapter 9. And uh, this is the account of one of Jesus's first disciples, one, uh, as he's calling this this man. And the guy's name is Matthew, and he is a tax collector. The cool thing about this story is that it's about a guy named Matthew, and it's in the Gospel of Matthew, which means that it, Essentially, Matthew is telling us a story about himself. So those are, those are, always, those are always good stories, um, personal stories. So why don't you stand with me as we read Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13. He kind of talks about himself in the third person, which is a little awkward, but um, let's just get started. In, in verse 9, it says this, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at a, his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. And later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, Uh, Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. And then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they're righteous, but those who know they're sinners. So Jesus, I I pray right now, even as we go through this this portion of this autobiography of, of a guy named Matthew who... Chose to leave his life of sin and to follow this man, this God-man who was nothing like him. Um, I pray that we would learn a little bit more about ourselves and about what you've called uh, the church, this, this group, this ragtag group of people who seem to have nothing in common apart from you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. So we're going to kind of walk down through this. It's a really, really interesting story. It's short, but um, kind of what I do whenever I read the scripture, um, I'm just going to say this ahead of time, is that I, I, I take a little bit of poetic license in the in between the lines of things that like aren't necessarily spelled out, but um, I try to crawl into the minds of the people that were there, like what must they have been thinking? And so you have the scripture, and I'm going to just make it amplified for you um, this morning because I think that it's important for us to realize what it must have been like for every single person in this story to be experiencing it firsthand. Um, it, it only took up uh, four verses, but I'm telling you, man, it was... Um, it was monumental what Jesus was doing in this moment. And it starts out in verse 19, it says, as Jesus was walking along, um, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector's booth. Jesus had already had a collection of other disciples who he had said, hey, come follow me, and they left all, and they dropped their nets and kissed their mom and said goodbye and, and started following Jesus. And then, and then we get to this guy named Matthew who's a tax collector, um, and, and most likely, he was the worst, the worst kind of tax collector. And you're like, well, I, I kinda know I'm not talking about IRS agents that are kind of doing audit on your taxes. I'm, I'm saying that the, these were guys that were like set up booths um, at crossroads or at intersections. And, um, and they, would, they would essentially take fees or taxes for you to use that road or to bring goods and services from one town to another. And he could essentially charge you whatever he wanted or whatever he thought he could, he could get out of you. And he had the authority of the Roman government behind him. And so Matthew is different because Matthew's a, a Jew, but a really bad one. And every single other Jew looks at him as like a thief, a, a traitor at best, like a scumbag. I said it. Like, I mean, that's, that's how they viewed him. And, and he knew it. And so Jesus sees this tax collector sitting at this booth and and where everybody else would probably go out of their way to avoid this guy, Jesus goes out of his way to talk to him. So I'm sure immediately all of his disciples are like, where are we going? Where where are we going? We're following you, but why are we following you? To talk to this scumbag. Like, are you serious? We're going to talk. What are you doing right now? And Jesus looks at him and, and I mean, he just says, verse nine, follow me and be my disciple. And so Matthew got up and followed him. And I can imagine at this point that there would be like an audible groan from the rest of the disciples. Like Jesus goes out and essentially finds the biggest sinner in the city. And he's like, hey, you should join my life group. We meet every day, all day for the next few years. All these guys are like, what are we doing right now? The other disciples must have been like looking at each other like, Jesus, uh, are you off your rocker? He is not one of us. You need to be telling him how bad he is. If you're unwilling, I will do it for you if you feel bad about it. I have no problem telling Matthew how much of a crummy human being he is. And so Jesus asks a man who everybody knows, including himself, Matthew, everybody knows that he doesn't deserve it to follow him. But if we're really honest, like this is how it happens for every single one of us. This is how it happened for you. It happened for me. Like One day you sensed the call of God, like God's presence is real. Maybe it was in a church service. Maybe it was at you're talking to your grandmother. Maybe it was at a youth camp. I don't know what it, what it was for you, but you heard God sense him calling your name to follow him. And you knew you were so undeserving because you were a mess. Like you knew that like your life was not like all together. And you knew that like you were so not ready. And Jesus extends this invitation to, to follow to every single kind of people imaginable. People that are like you and people that are so not like you the rich, the poor, the religious, the the sinners, the Jews, the Gentiles, like the least of these, like picture who you have in your mind as the least of these. Jesus was like, hey, we should hang out. You should be one of my disciples. Why don't you come and hang out with us? All kinds of people, Jesus would go out of his way who everybody else would avoid. Jesus calls people who are not only nothing like him, but also people who are very different than you. That's. That's where the rub comes. If we're just going to be really honest right now. Like. I, if you've been a Christian. For any length of time. This is where it gets. It gets difficult. I'm, I'm cool with Jesus. It's just all the other Christians. Like. And, and if I'm really honest with you, like I am much more comfortable with God loving me in my mess than I am in Him loving you in yours. And so Jesus, like, calls the least of these, the, the, the biggest sinner in the city, to follow Him. And He continues in verse 10. He does, He follows, He drops out. He, he leaves his booth, whatever he does, I have no idea, and starts following Jesus. And then it says in verse 10, later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with, catch the, the, the crew at this dinner party, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. I want you to just imagine how awkward this party must have been. It must have been a hot mess of a party, because Matthew, he's wealthy, he's got connections, but he's also got notorious friends that are probably made up of prostitutes and tax collectors, certainly tax collectors, because y'all got to hang out, because nobody likes you, so you just kind of hang out. Outcasts like to hang out with other outcasts, right? And on-purpose sinners, because those are the other people that are like, well, I guess we should probably be friends, because like I'm not liked, and you're not liked, and people judge me, and people judge you. We should both be hanging out and judge Judge ye not each other. I have no idea. Like they're all hanging out together, on purpose, sinners, and every single one of his friends would have been considered outcasts and hated by Jewish people. And so Matthew throws this banquet and he invites many of these. The Bible actually says many of these friends, as well as Jesus and his new life group. Come one, come all. This will be, be a great a great dinner, not awkward at all. And what we find is that Jesus always seems extraordinarily comfortable around people who are nothing like him. It's everybody else that is really jiggy about it. Jesus is like, awesome, what time should we be there? Should I bring the dip, right? And like everybody else is like, are you kidding me? Why would we go here? What are we doing? What am I gonna say? I have, she's a woman of the night. I have no idea what to say. Like, this is so weird, right? And Jesus just kind of walks in. He's like, hey, party on. Let's go, right? And apparently, people who were nothing like Jesus liked hanging out with Jesus. Or I don't think Matthew would have been like, hey, we should just have a big party. Everything, you you guys will love him. This this new guy I'm following, I'd left everything. Yeah, I'm not a text collector anymore. Yeah, I'm just, I'm now kind of a follower of him. Say, what? We got to meet this guy. Well, come on out. And apparently, Jesus was okay with hanging out with people who are nothing like him as well, which is good news for you because Jesus would want to hang out with you. Yes. And the person next to you, look to them, be like, Jesus would probably want to hang out with you. You, Right? See, the problem has never been how Jesus interacts with people. The problem always relies, it lies in how people interact with each other. Jesus has always been cool with it. And so this party, awkward parties lead to awkward conversations. If you've ever been to an awkward party where you're just like, I don't know anybody here and this is really awkward. Um, it's, it, it lends to awkward conversations. And this party does not disappoint because we, we were let in on this awkward conversation between the Pharisees and, and Jesus' disciples. Verse 11. It says, when the Pharisees saw this, what did they see? They saw this awkward party. They asked his disciples, not Jesus. They asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? First of all, I want you to notice that the Pharisees were not at the party. They were watching the party. They were maybe outside listening, looking through the windows. Why? Because church people be, no, be so nosy, all right? They're just looking around and be like, what's going on over there? What's going on over there? Did you, did you see that? What's, who's she? Right? How did they even know that the party was going on? Why? Because they're nosy. I got to know what's going on. I don't want to be a part of it. I want to stay at arm's length, but I want to be associated with it. But I, I kind of want to know what's going on. What's interesting to me is that they ask the disciples a question, and we have no noted answer from the disciples. They're like, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Which I have to, I have to maybe intimate that, that the disciples' reaction was maybe something like this. <laughs> I don't know why we're here. I literally hate everyone at this party. I kind of was wondering the same thing. Thanks for saying it out loud. I was kind of wondering, like, how long, how long are we going to stay here? Jesus, I'm getting tired of this, right? They're probably outside taking a smoke break with the Pharisees, just saying like, yeah, man, I got no clue. It's crazy in there, right? They're just, they're just, they're just hanging out. And what we find is that if you want to follow Jesus, you have to walk with them. You know who they are the people that aren't like you they're really annoying you know you know who they are they're the ones who are really awkward and don't know all the right things to say and you know who they are but don't forget that this this social repulsion goes both ways like i think i could almost imagine <laughs> what it must have been like for matthew he has his friends and he's hoping this this jesus has made such a difference in my life i can't wait for i can't wait for you to meet him and he brings all his friends and his new life group and everyone at the life groups just like mm, we're all good we're not going in there well i don't even want to, i don't even know this guy matthew you know it goes both ways. I, imagine how it must have played out a couple days later, you know, like two or three days after this party. And Jesus and Matthew finally get a moment alone. And Matthew's like, hey, Jesus, can I talk to you for a second? Like, here's the deal. I'm really excited about following you. I can't tell you. I mean, you're really followable. I mean, I, you know, we, it was a great honor that you came to me, that you asked me to follow you. And I, I mean, we had a moment. I mean, you know, like, but here's the thing. It's great that we've been hanging out with these other 10 guys, but can I level with you? When are you going to send them home? Because I, I, I kind of want to get started on that whole adventure of like me following you, you and me, just you and me, you and me, you and me. I was kind of excited about that, to which Jesus would probably reply like, oh, oh, Matthew, like they're, they're not going home they're following me too. In fact, I just had a conversation that sounded very similar to this conversation with them about you. <laughs> Wait a second. Like you're telling me that like if I want to walk with you then I have to follow along with them? I have nothing in common with them, Jesus. Like I so, some of them are fishermen, they smell Literally, my house still smells like fish, right? Like, I mean, I mean, have you thought this through? And I mean, you could go through it. And I mean, think about this. Like, if he, if he wanted to start just, just nailing people, because it's so much easier to dig up dirt on people than it is to mine the gold out of them. Can we agree on that? I mean, he could look at Peter and be like, have you thought, do, do you know Peter? Peter, is, he has no tact. You should have seen how he was just offending people over and over again at my party. All my friends were like, what's up with this guy, right? James and John, dude's got anger problems. They literally tried to call down fire from heaven to some of my friends. Like, who does that? Bartholomew? The guy doesn't even say anything. You can light him on fire. I don't think he would yell for water. My bet is he goes without ever being recorded of saying anything in the Bible. And Thomas, Jesus, I hope you realize he doesn't believe anything you say. He is constantly whispering, doubt it, to me. Everything you say, I'm telling you. And and Simon the Zealot? Dude's name is Simon the Zealot. Do you even realize that zealots are like terrorists? Like, what is he doing here with us, with you, with me, with in the group? Like in that guy, Judas, he creeps me out. I don't trust him a bit. You see where he holds on to the money? Like, like like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. Like this, it's weird. And not only that, they all hate me. Do you see the way they look at me? They barely look at me. I have nothing, nothing in common with that. Not one of them. And, and, And the hard part is that I think that Jesus would be like, yeah, but you have me in common with them. And I want you to start thinking of them as your new brothers that maybe you didn't choose, but I chose you. Because if you want to follow Jesus, you have to walk with them because no one follows Jesus alone. No one follows Jesus alone. And honestly, this is one of the most maddening things about this thing we call Christianity. The Christians. Gandhi was quoted as saying, I like your Christ. I do not like your Christians. Your Christians are so unlike your Christ. And to a very real degree, we get it, don't we? I mean, to a very real degree, you could talk, You'd be talking about me. I mean... This is one of the reasons why even Christians try to isolate themselves and it feels safer to just be private and make their faith all about me and Jesus a personal thing, individualistic thing. Because sometimes it is the followers that we're following alongside that can make this thing so difficult and disheartening. Because you've been or you will be hurt by other people, even in this room. (laughs) You will be. Or, or, or maybe, maybe you, you have people that used to be in this room that aren't in this room because you were walking with them and they were following along with you and then they just stopped and left. And left you high and dry and alone. Or maybe you think, like, I just, I don't have anything in common with these people and my close friends are at work, my close friends are in my town, my close friends are, are elsewhere. But I think that Jesus would continue because if the Jesus who picked this ragtag group of people to say, you're going to do life together, I think he would probably say to each and every single one of us, what friends are you following along with that are following me? Because that, that, that is the most important because we all hear the call of God individually Matthew the tax collector did, and every single one of those guys did, and so did you and so did I, but we are not called to walk alone. No one follows Jesus alone. And the people who do struggle and fall and never grow quite right because they don't have other people in their life to help them and to pick them up and to point out blind spots and to encourage them And to sometimes drag their sorry butt to Jesus. Because we need people like that. People that aren't like you and some that are. And so Jesus overhears this really awkward conversation between the Pharisees and the mute disciples. And he says this in verse 12. He just speaks out. He says, healthy people don't need a doctor. I love how Jesus is answering a question that nobody has asked him. Healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. What's interesting to me is that Jesus' seeming prerequisite for following him is that you're sick and you know it. Let me say that one more time so that you're fully offended. Um, Jesus' seeming prerequisite for following him is that you're sick and you know it. People seem to get all, like, um, have this idea that, like, Christianity is for good people or the well, you know, people that are all good and got this thing all together. But that's not true at all, at least according to Jesus, at least according to him. Jesus says that he came for the sick, the lost, the sinners, bad people, right? Jesus wants to be in a room full of people who are sick and they know it. Jesus wants to be in a room full of people who know that without him, they are not okay. Like without, without you, Jesus. Like I'm, I'm not okay. (laughs) See, because when we walk in religion, religion will mask your own awareness that you're sickly, and instead you'll get this idea that everything's all all good, and you're numb to your own pain, and it will cause you to start to have commentary on how sickly other people are. Do you see her? Do you see him? Do you see them? See what they did? And see, people seem to get all offended when we talk about, like, like, sin, right? People being accused of being sinners. We don't even say that much anymore, to be honest. Like, even within the church, like, that word, the S word, sin. Because nothing's really considered sin much anymore. But Jesus is at a dinner party as a guest with a whole bunch of these people, and he just, like, simply states it. Yeah, they're all sick, They need a doctor and the doctor's in the house. I mean, they're literally like, they know it. He's not, he's not dancing around it. Every single person in there just like, yeah, like, dude, we are a mess. (laughs) Yeah, we are a mess. We know it though. And Jesus actually loves that because he's like, I got something to work with here. Because all you Pharisees that are out there peeking through the windows like creepers, you're creeping me out. You all, you all don't think you need a savior. You all think you don't need help. You all think you don't need a physician. You all think you're fine. These people, they're sickly and they know it. And it is this awareness for each and every single one of us that propels us into salvation and healing and deliverance. Because the truth about following Jesus is that it is our repentance of our sin that is the pathway to our freedom. Essentially, Jesus is like, I need some people who are sick and they know it. Because sick people want help. (laughs) What do I got to do? Repent of my sin? Hallelujah. You're going to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? I don't deserve that. Oh, wow. Awesome. Cool. It's not religion. It's repentance. And following Jesus means that not only do we say, oh, yes, and I'm going to go follow you. That also means that if I'm following you, I'm walking away from something else. What's not said is said that you're essentially walking in repentance. You're turning away from what you once did, leaving it behind and following Jesus. So don't think that Matthew was just like, oh yeah, I'm still a swindler. I still steal from old ladies. I still like, you know, gouge people for taxes. No, he, he left his way of sin and started following Jesus. But how many of you know sometimes your sin will follow you? Or at least lore of your sin and judgment of your sin will follow you? Not because Jesus took it, but because others do. Or we do ourselves. And then in verse 13, it says, then he added, Now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I've come to call not those who think they are righteous, catch this, but those who know they're sinners. Jesus is redefining things here. At this one dinner party, he is like setting the stage for the kind of parties that he likes being at. That he doesn't see people the way that we see people. He doesn't see people as good and bad. He sees people as proud and humble. Jesus calls people who are sickly and they know it, people who know that they're sinners and don't act like they're not, right? People who, who know that without Jesus, I am not OK. They have one thing in common. Man, I don't know where I'd be without him. I have no idea where I'd be without Jesus. He's like, stay there. Stay humble. Because no one follows Jesus alone. I want to end today with just, i just give you three biblical principles about, about friendship because I think that within the body of Christ, friendship is very difficult It's weird, it's not normal, it's not based upon the way we find friends and cultivate friendships outside of the church, because normally it's based upon commonalities, like I talked about earlier, but Jesus puts people that are just seemingly different from each other, and he's like, hey, you guys are family now, like your brothers, your sisters, aunts and uncles, grandparents, like love each other, do life together. The first principle we find in the book of Genesis And we see that in the creation, it's always good to go back to creation. In creation, God creates things and then he always has commentary after it. I don't know if you ever noticed this. It says like he creates something and then he says, that's good. Uh, Time and time again. He creates light, good. He creates land, good. Plants, good. Animals, good. Everything has a commentary after he's like, that this is good. And then all of a sudden we 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 see something that God says is is not good. And you would think that he's referring to possums because I hate possums. You'd think that he'd be like, whoops, I just messed up. I made a possum and that thing is repulsive. I should not have done that. That thing that I have made is not good, right? He, but he doesn't. Even God thinks that possums are good. Um, so what in the world could be in the not good category if possums are in the good category with their weird tails? I have no idea. The first, the first thing that we see is... God's saying that it is not good for man to be alone. And so God creates a a helpmate, a suitable helper for Adam, someone to walk with because we all need someone to walk with because we can all feel alone in a crowd. And you can even look around this room right now and, and... I just want you to realize that you are called to this awkward party, this assembly of strangers, this ragtag group of people who have one thing in common, the most important thing, Jesus. And I want to encourage you to, to take opportunities to begin developing godly relationships that lead to spiritual growth. Because there's, there's one thing that is worse than loneliness and that's having bad friends. Second Corinthians chapter six says this. Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common or what fellowship can light have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial or what does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? And for some reason we've kind of relegated this passage to strictly be talking about dating and marriage but Paul's simply talking about your closest relationships. The closest relationships in a believer's life. And the second point is this, because you will end up going in the direction of whoever you're walking with. Like if you're walking with someone, you end up going in the same direction that they're going in. And maybe they're wanting to go here and you're wanting to go here. Well, the reality is you'll probably end up somewhere in the middle and compromise along the way. And the deepest relationships should, should be people going in the same direction that you want to end up. And so look at your closest relationships in your life. Like, do you want to go where they're going and become who they're becoming? Because we, we, we tend to think that we can beat this principle. We all think that we're like the, the exception to it. But the longer I live, the reality is, is that the, you're the average of the three people you spend the most time with. Because as you walk along with people, if they're not walking in the same direction and going to the same place and becoming who you're wanting to become and going where you want to go, you'll end up compromising along the way. Proverbs chapter 13 verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harm. There's two, two things that are really being said here. The first thing is really cool because there's this thing like wise friendships can, can bring you wisdom. This, that's a really cool thing. Like when you yoke yourself up with wise people, it rubs off. So if you're like, I'm not really wise, well, get along with somebody who is because it rubs off on you. You can become wise too just by walking along with somebody who has wisdom. But in the same way, the yoke, when you yoke yourself up with fools, even if you don't become a fool, you will suffer harm, is what the Bible says. Like your closest friends, the people that you yoke up with, will determine the direction of who you become. Why don't you stand with me? I want to leave you with this last last point of biblical friendship and it's kind of the thing that we see throughout the Bible, and I just said, this, said it this way, like find your two or three. We see it in Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Jesus said, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. And we find this principle of two or three throughout, throughout the ministry of Jesus, really. Like we had Jesus, he had his 12 disciples, and um, he also had his inner circle. Peter, James, and John. And those guys were always there, always there. Jesus sent out the 12 two by two. He, later on, he, he gathered 72 of his followers and he sent them out to do ministry two by two. There's, there's something about this, this power of the two or three godly relationships there's accountability, there's iron, sharpening iron. And as you follow Jesus, who's following along with you? Do you have two to three godly relationships that you're just leading you to spiritual growth and you're leading them to spiritual growth? And I'm not talking about Facebook friends. I know you've got 2052 Facebook friends and they all like like your amazing posts. and, And that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about someone that in, in your life that will call you out on your stupid. Someone in your life who will lead you closer to Jesus. Someone in your life that will call you out on your unforgiveness. Somebody in your life that, <sighs> that you can just be real with and honest. And if you have someone, right now, you know it. There are some of you in here that are like, I got that. I got that. And right now, you're being reminded, like, man, well, that's a gift. Man, I take that for granted. I take that for granted too often. You should text them before you leave here today. You should give them a hug if they're right next to you. You should say, I love you, not in a weird way, but a cool way. If you're like same, you know, you just be, just be, make it, make it awkward. tell them tell them far too many people say that they love somebody after they've already died how about doing it now be intentional be strategic can we get together this week for lunch you got a friend like that man you have a gift you have a gift and if you don't have someone like that in your life then I would just encourage you to make it a priority to say yes yes to opportunities that will surround you with people who are following along in the same direction that you want to end up. And you'll find them, or they'll find you. Or you'll be walking along and be like, huh, we should just walk together. Fancy seeing you here. Every single time I'm here, you're here. Find your two or three. And as we, as we end with this last worship song, I just want to give you an opportunity. Maybe there's, there's someone in here today that like, like Matthew, you just feel like so undeserving, so not ready. Your life is so not put together. And, and you're, but you hear him calling your name and saying, come follow me. And, and you know what? Maybe you grew up in church and you've been offended people have been hypocrites and they've said one thing and done another, don't blame that on Jesus. Don't blame that on him. Because I'm telling you, when you choose to, to leave behind the things that weren't working in the first place to follow him, you'll never regret it. He's more than enough. So if that's you right now, I just want to encourage you, just between you and him, Maybe just say, just like, just like Matthew, the tax collector, sitting there at the booth saying, Jesus, I hear you, and I, and I want to respond to the call right now. I just want to encourage you to, to pray this prayer with me. Maybe you all can pray it, pray it along with me as well. Jesus, I thank you for calling me, and I feel so undeserving but I'll answer your call and I'll turn away from my sin of which there are many to follow you. I thank you for the forgiveness of sins, the level of the playing field and I ask right now that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can have more and better life. I worship you with everything that I have and all that I am. In Jesus' name, amen. So for those of you in here, I just want to encourage you to realize that each and every single person in front of you, beside you, people watching online right now, like we are all in the same boat. (laughs) Every single one of us came into the kingdom the same way, and it wasn't because you were good enough. It wasn't because you deserved it. It was because you just said Yes, I want what you're offering. I want that grace and that mercy. And like, here's the thing that I don't understand why would everyone, everyone, not want the gospel to be true? I'm not talking about churchianity and what it's become, maybe, in churches and legalism. I'm just saying, like, the gospel, the the gospel that, that Jesus preached. Why in the world would you not want that to be true? I can understand if you don't believe it. you still got some issues and questions, you're not sure, and you've had other people do some things, and they said one thing, and they did another, and you read this article about this pastor and this church. I'm just saying, the gospel, why would you not want that to be true? Freedom from sin? Eternity with God, like the creator of the universe? Why in the world, Lord Jesus? I pray you'd strip away all of those things, all of our fears. As we worship you, even right now, God, I pray that we we would be humbled in your presence. The Bible says that whether we choose to or not, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. I just know that I would much rather do this on this side of eternity than on the other. So Lord, may we worship you today, fresh with all that we have, because you're worth it. In Jesus' name, let's worship together.